Um, I started playing in around 1999 or 2000. I was playing Pokemon, walking to a friend's house, found a dark ritual on the side of the road. Uh, never looked back. Um, I've been playing, I want to say, I won, I accidentally won the state championships in 2006. Uh, I say accidentally because I, I was the only person in the room playing Dragonstorm and that deck was busted. Um, so it was really weird and, uh, I don't know. It just kind of hooked me into kind of playing more competitively. Um, I grew up kind of in like invasion block era, but I was just a kid and I have very many cards. My dad bought me a place at a spirit mongers, which was, you know, like a huge deal back then. And so when I heard about pre-modern, I heard about it at a va- I was vending for a friend at a Vegas GP and some guy just came and he was like, Oh, do you have any foil call of the herds? I was like, Bro, do you know what year it is? I, why do you need foil call of the herd? That's so weird. Um, and so he, you know, he briefly explained pre-modern. He's like, Oh, it's this new format. It's really cool. I think it's going to blow up. So I'm kind of specking on some cards. Uh, so I went around to the vendors and I, I bought some like foil pernicious deeds. Because uh, I was like, well, if I play any card, it's probably going to be that one. Uh, so a couple of years, years still went by. Uh, pandemic hit. I don't really have much to do. Uh, I remembered about pre-modern. Did a quick Facebook search. Found Mr. Andrew Walker's excellent um, pre-modern online play monthly tournaments. And um, I entered my first one in June of 2019 or 2018, I believe. Must have been 2019. And uh, I entered with Draco Blast. It was just a homebrew then. Nobody had played it yet. Not sure why. And uh, I ended up winning the tournament with a bunch of awful cards in my deck. I think I was playing for four Urborg Volcanoes. I was playing four Blazing Spectres. Just it was a uh, it was definitely a rough shell at that point. Um, but it was it was good enough to get the job done. And ever since then, I I mean I've got I think I've got over twenty decks now. I uh, I take them to my my LGS basically every day and coerce as many people into playing as I can. I, I jammed a bunch of games with a bunch of people last night, even. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here we are today. I took a little bit of a hiatus since twenty nineteen. I opened my my own LGS and it's been a, a very busy but I'm glad to be I'm glad to be back playing again I'm sure much to the dismay of people who do not like playing against standstill <laughs> I don't love landstill I mean I, I think it's an incredibly powerful deck it's got a lot of answers it's very beatable but right now in this meta I probably like three months ago Two or three months ago, I started playing Landstill because I had tried to play uh, Draco Blast, which is, you know, it's my deck. Um, and I think I went 0-3 in one of, the, one of the monthlies I tried to play in. And it was all just, it's just Oath. It was just land text. Like, all these decks that can absolutely just punish you for trying to play a normal game of Magic. And I, I really just had to... I really decide like how much do I enjoy this deck versus how much I like watching my opponent crush me for forty minutes. Um, 
So and like I yeah we they've we've been discussing you know how enjoyable parfait is for one player or another how much it should we're not going to discuss that here I've, I've said my piece a million times um but you know I I looked at decks that I that I had at the time and I it really did seem like Landstill could have this weird sort of an inevitability against a deck like Parfait. I mean, I know Parfait wins the long, long, long game, but if they can't punish you with Oath and they don't present any threats and you don't care about any of their cards, you really you have unlimited time. Um, I, I think I've lost three games to Parfait in the six matches I've played, uh, six or seven matches, and they were definitely winnable, but... I didn't want to. It's just time, right? Like I just, I just didn't, didn't want to sit there and watch them land tax and scroll rack for twelve, and it was a whole thing. So, um, with with Parfait in mind, I started playing Landstill to great effect. I I didn't realize it had so many good matchups. I didn't realize how good the the <laughs> the Dreadnought matchup was. Yeah, embarrassingly, uh, at LobsterCon. Landstill was 11, won 11 out of the 12 games, matches they played against not decks, and I was the lone loss in the last round because I was 5-2. and two. I had just lot, picked up my second loss, and I was like, oh, I can't top 8. So I kind of, I played real loose. I tried to disenchant a Dreadnought on my turn. He's like, Vision Charm. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. I could have just cast that in his upkeep, but whatever. <laughs> so, like, it was just, yeah, I was, I was already, I was like, well, I can't top 8. I just kind of. I mentally checked out. I was on two hours of sleep. But yeah, as far as the spring fling goes, I had uh, I had kind of tuned my list from the month before, the monthly before, where I do believe I lost to another pretty cool gentleman in top eight playing a stasis deck. I made some changes for the spring fling, um, mostly going even heavier into parfait hate. And awkwardly enough, I'm I'm still in the top sixteen of the the June, yeah, yeah. I'm still in the top sixteen of that one. I have a serenity in my sideboard because I'm just like, serenity. I'm like, how much heart, how how much worse can this matchup get for Parfait? So I don't know. Um, the Spring Fling was cool. My first opponent was uh, Denny, who I believe I also played in the in the top four, and I <laughs> I killed him with my standstill trigger, which. Was definitely the highlight of the tournament. It was which I had actually done to um, Kobe in the monthly before, and uh, yeah, I, I can only do it to so many people. But yeah, I didn't really do anything different as far as I. I think I play the deck differently than most people. Like I've I've been watching some coverage and everyone plays the deck very tame, and I I feel like an unhinged maniac when I watch their matches. I'm like, man, this guy's like not attacking. It's not just cycling decree for like two and attacking for six on his turn. And I think it's I play it a lot of blue black fairies in my life. I played it in standard. I played it in extended. I played it in modern. I played it in legacy. And I think I I think I'm applying like that tempo strategy. Like as as soon as I see the corner I, I do the meme where where he's like skidding off the freeway, and I just tur- I just turn into a, like the most aggressive shitty blue white deck I could possibly be. I don't think I've cast a seal of cleansing ever, 
I just I never had it in the deck. I, I looked at them and I was like, I I'm basically turning on my opponents like just enchants and seals. Um, minus the factories, which like that that's a whole nother thing. Factory to me is just this weird resource that I use probably way too frivolously. Like I, even when we played our matches. I was like, I'm gonna just let you throw two burn spells at my factories. Like, I don't care. I don't care about the lands. Just in in like in the blue black fairy deck, like you have permission spells, you have thought seize, all your cards have flash, you have some counter spells. And at some point in the game, you have to look at the board and say, uh, to to quote a fantastic gentleman in this community, uh, like like who who's the beatdown right now? And and that's that's really where the the separator for for who really could play the fairy deck exceptionally well kind of fell off. The deck is incredibly hard to play because that line is so blurred with that deck. I think it's a lot more obvious with the standstill deck, at least for me. But, I mean, I've just... Like, in the right matchups, I used to just play Mutavolt in turn one, and turn two, I just attack. You just attack for two damage. Like, they can't punish you. You know that there's no cards you care about. That they're going to play. You don't need to leave counterspell magic up. Um, particularly maybe in the the most obvious. I used to play in Legacy. And I, play, I do that against the Miracles deck. Like you don't play any cards I care about. I'm just going to attack you. Like I'm going to make you answer this 2-2. Until it doesn't matter anymore. And especially in the Sly matchup. I, cu I cut two lands. Because I want to be. I want to have the spell density. I want to be closer to your spell density. Um, the Dust Bowls don't matter. Like, if I'm going to die to a Barbarian Ring, I'm going to die to a Barbarian Ring. I'm not going to spend four mana to Dust Bowl, a Barbarian Ring, get bolted six times. I'm not interested in that. So, um, I cut a lot of the higher cost cards. I cut, like, a Decree. I, I cut a Factor Fiction. If Humility was still in my deck, I, I cut that. And it just doesn't matter if I have a ton of lands. I'm not, I'm not trying to win with Decree in a reasonable amount of time. So... Especially in our game four or five, and I just had like two factories in an island, and I I saw you trying to like make the decision. You can't you can't not attack, right? You can't like play two creatures and just look at my two factories and go, well, it was a, it was a good time, Jackal Pup. We're just gonna leave you home. Like you can't do that. And uh, maybe some other Landstill players don't try to block like an idiot there, but I just I really like using my lands to get your cards. Speaking to specifically pre-modern, when people, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but speaking to people who play modern magic, like modern, not modern, the format, but like magic as it is today, it's not the same game. And people always say, well, like, why do you like pre-modern? Like, why do you play this format? And I say, at some point in my like professional magic career, like I've been to a bunch of pro tours, um, I've been to a bunch of Grand Prix, did all this stuff. I, I played Arena for a while, and the day I uninstalled it, I, I casted a Hydroid Crisis. A lot of you probably don't know what that card is. Um, I casted a Hydroid Crisis for 10. Uh, it's just this, like, you pay X, it's like a 10-10, it draws you 5 cards, it gains you 5 life. It's disgusting. So I casted it for 10, I discard down to hand size, my opponent untaps, casts a Hydroid Crisis for 12 draws his six cards, discards down a hand size, and I'm just like staring at this game that I've already been playing for 20 minutes. We've both got full grips, you know, 12 lands in play, and I just, 
it's not a resource war anymore. And I think that is a lot of what makes magic great. As far like for me. Um, and a, a lot of, yeah, our games were a, like a large testament to that. You're like, okay, I need resources. I need to kind of save up all of these resources to have this one explosive turn where I can cast Flaring Pain, I can get through the Circle of Protection, and I'm knowing I have to kill you before you can sculpt his hand, so I have to pick this turn, I want to cycle this Decree to like make tokens, I know he's going to try to kill me then, and it's just not a phenomena that happens in modern magic, and like in the top eight of the, the side event at LobsterCon, me and Mike Flores just ripping each other's hands apart, no cards screaming at the top of our decks in game three, and it's just... Like it just doesn't happen anymore. Like everybody's always got a million cards, and I I think going back to going back to the the finals match, I th- I think that game was a really good testament to that. So <laughs> I was I was trying to tell this to because my buddies, um, the guys I play Premier with at the shop, you know, they've been kind of following it. I post the links, people watch it in my shop. It's it's been pretty cool, but it was really weird when I won the monthly in June because it was. I mean, it was like 120-something people. It's not a small event. And, you know, going through the entirety of the top eight, it was really weird winning an event in my living room. Uh, it was just like nobody's there. And I'm just like, oh, I just won this 120-man tournament. And I'm like, well, I guess, I go to, I guess I'll go to Taco Bell or something. Like, it's just so stupid. <laughs> um, so this, this event was uh, a little bit more... You know, I, I didn't understand at the time what, what i wasn't part of the community you know i was just some idiot with this stupid deck and i had won that event uh this one did mean a lot more because you know i've i've gotten a chance to meet everybody i've gotten a chance to play with a lot of great people um i've gotten a chance to you know grow inside of this community and build one of my own at my store and it it definitely meant a lot more um not more but it it, it was more impactful for me but i i still did do the same thing we we logged off and I just kind of looked around. I was like, "Well, guess I guess guess I go to Taco Bell again." Like I don't. This, this um, I had never been to an in-person uh, pre-modern event, so I've never met any of these guys. Some of them I've never seen their faces. Uh, so it's a lot of it's a lot of just looking at name tags and <laughs> like realizing you actually know this. Like I walked right by Andrew Walker probably several times. And I played a ton of games with this guy, and like it's just known him for years. And finally, I just, I just glanced at the name tag, and I was like, holy shit, that's Andrew. And I said hi, and he like looks at my name tag. He's like, oh, holy shit, Dave. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think Michael Hoy hit it right on the head. It's, it's, like, it's, like, a big, it's like a big family reunion. It's, it's a great feeling um, to just be in a room like that for a good cause with a bunch of people who, who really share the love for, you know, the magic that was like that, that same kind of nostalgic resource war that we're, I was talking about like this, this game, this format is so good. It's so good. Like, I don't know how Martin Berlin sculpted this fucking masterpiece, excuse my French of, of a, of a format, but um, that was just, it was really cool to just be walking around. Um, I talked to actually Brian Selden a lot, the night before LobsterCon, we were talking strategy. I told him I was going to play Furnace Main, and he was like, I, I, I think he was trying to play, maybe in his head, try to play Devil's Advocate, and just there's no reason not to because all of the flex slots are kind of bad, honestly. 
Like, I don't want to play Absorb. I know I know it won me a bunch of games against you, but I don't want to play it. It's not a good card. Yeah, it's just, like, so hard to cast. But, like, we chatted for a while, and then I just ended up sitting next to him. I had no idea what this guy looked like. And, you know, he's just... He's playing a mirror match right next to me, and I just look at his name tag. Like, oh, shit, what's up, dude? And he looks at me and has to glance at my name tag. And then this moment of realization. It's just really cool. Finally met Flint. Finally met Michael Hoip. Uh, finally met Jared. Um, all these guys that have been in this community for a long time, and I, I finally got to, you know, put a face to the name. It's just, it was really cool. Uh, it it absolutely felt like the right deck, and it's possible that anybody with a good match landstill matchup, like any deck with a good landstill matchup, probably would have been the correct choice for the event. Like if I if I in retrospect, if I just wanted to win the event, I just would have played something that beat landstill um, and dreadnought, but. I I actually was 5 and 1 going into round 7. I punted super hard, super hard against replenish because I never played the matchup and I had taken three planes the day before and I got 2 hours of sleep. Um I had a massive migraine the night before. It was it was really bad. All of that aside, I've played a lot of magic like that and I've been fine, but I I didn't understand the opalescence parallax tide parallax wave interaction. So like I had a furnace in game one, and I he tr- he blew it up, and I had a choice between exiling like an attunement and an opalescence, and I was like, well, attunement lets him dig, and I could just like kill his guys. Like it turns on opalescence turns on my removal. Yeah, it turns out that was not not the correct choice. I just got all my lands exiled. <laughs> no, I th- I think a lot of people in the room, and Brian had mentioned this. He's like, I think a lot of people are going to be gunning for land still. And I think I was still in La La Land thinking I'm I'm still the only idiot playing this deck. And uh yeah, and I guess I guess I had mentioned in my Spring Fling um in my Spring Fling interview thing that Teferi's response was probably really good in the main. And Mike Flores yelled at me about three times about how he got Teferi's response in game one from two different people. Uh, <laughs> it's like I lost because of you. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't even play it, and that's. He was like, you didn't even do it yourself. I was like, well, I found furnace. So I, sorry, dude. I don't know. So it's it's cool that uh, this is. I I think this is a really unique time in the evolution of this format. Um, I I think Parfait has changed a lot of perspective on deck construction, and. Evidence of that obviously is Flint's Flint's like reckless list is really hedged to defeat Parfait, and I was enjoying a lack of red decks in the in the meta because they really just can't beat that deck traditionally. I mean, I just like Oath of Druids is just such an obscenely powerful card. Like, I can't stress this enough. I just. <laughs> It it just negates so many strategies, and I've got I've got forty or fifty like brews in my phone. You know, I'll just stay awake at night and be like, oh, you know what I you know what I want to beat people with? Fucking ice cave. I just want to beat people with ice cave. And so I'll you know I'm like, okay, what's the best ice cave deck I can build? And I have all these strategies in my in my phone, and just half of them just lose to oath of druids, like no shot, and it's just. So when Sly adapted, um, I kind of had to adapt with it. Like, okay, I'm going to see an uptick in these red decks because they can beat Parfait now. They're they're not 
there's there's no fear there. And I, I think people are going to kind of latch onto that. And as soon as, you know, someone figures out how to beat the red decks again, you can kind of, it's, it's an ebb and flow. I don't think, uh, I, I think the unique thing about Landstill, and this can be said about probably the rock too. I don't think any matchup is so bad that you have to go and say, okay, maybe I should just stop playing this deck. And I think <laughs> maybe after LobsterCon, people playing Dreadnought really have to look at how many Landstill decks there are and go, okay, do I just need to do something else? Um, and I, I don't think that's true for, for Landstill. I don't think that'll ever... I don't think it can get so bad for the deck that, that we can't solve those problems, which is, I, th I think, very unique to Landstill. Uh, oh, man. I... There is nothing... There's nothing in Magic I enjoy more than playing a Dark Ritual on turn one and putting a Phyrexian Negator into play. It's just... I don't know. That card, it's... From its art, to the flavor, to just the sheer power level, to, you know, punishment disparity, I love that card. And um, so, after I won the June Monthly, I bought four foil ones, and they're absolutely gorgeous and you know i figured i figured the side event was going to be you know oh everybody play your fun deck so i, I brought draco blast along because i i felt bad for not playing it in the main event i always told myself I was like, oh if i got a lobster con like i i gotta i gotta play my baby right and i i just couldn't do that into a field of parfait like the matchup is horrible actually last night some guy showed up to our shop with parfait and another person was like oh can i play your draco blast deck and i didn't know he was playing against parfait he just got his I mean, he got demolished like four games in a row. I was like, uh, maybe don't play this deck uh, right here. It's my deck. I'm I'm upset I didn't play that LabstraCon, and the side event seemed like the perfect opportunity to do that. The deck is still, I believe, very powerful. If it has an obvious, painful, glaring flaw, it cannot destroy an enchantment. It just can't. Um... Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's impossible uh so just like the one you're most worried about is oath druids i mean i think i, I, I yeah. might have been patrick burt maybe somebody i might just be roasting him because he does this to everybody but i'm like one of the turn like monthlies i played dark ritual hippie on turn one and just like land mox diamond oath druids i was like are you fucking just in in the dark too. It was game one. I didn't know what they were playing. I was like, okay, I can't play this deck anymore. This is this is uh, I have to bolt my hippie and then I don't know. So, but uh, yeah, no, the games I played against Lanny, and I just I assumed he was playing Parfait. He's like, I wouldn't play Parfait in a side event, and I was like, so you admit that it's not fun, and <laughs> which I'm sure he'll never admit. But uh, he was playing a really cool domain list, and we had some good games. I, uh, yeah, he, he got me real good in game one with a haunting echoes and just absolutely crippled my entire deck. But, uh, in games two and three, I, I, uh, red blasted his allied strategies, which, uh, he took a picture of the first one and I, I got a picture of the second one. So, oh, the most overrated card. So, on the uh, 
I think when I was on the pre-modcast after I won with Draco Blast, they asked me what the best card in the format was, and I think at the time I said Duress. And I unfortunately am going to have to say that the most overrated card right now in pre-modern is probably Duress. Um, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. But I just, I've cast too many Duresses into Enlightened Tutor. There's like, I'm going to go get my land tax. Like, oh, good. Thank God. And, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll cast it, and my opponent's like, I have two Goblin Lackeys and three Siege Gangs. I'm like, oh, God, okay. Good, good deal. Uh, I do think the deck, the card's obviously very good. Um, you will not catch me dead playing it in a competitive event anytime soon, though. Right now, pretty much. Most underrated card. Um, I think I'm obligated to say Fluctuator here. I'm not going to, but uh, it's possible that that deck is actually way, way, way better than any of us get credit for. I don't know if you saw Flint's sideboard. Um, I don't know if anybody really, really, really looked at his sideboard. It is absolutely, it's a fucking house. It's so good. He just turns into Living End. Like, just cycle a bunch of dorks and, like, cast Songs of the Dam and you Twilight's Call and you just beat the shit out of your put. Like, it's so good. Um, so I built it. Okay. I'm going to try to, I don't know, man. It looks real good. It might be, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I can't say Fluctuate. I'm just going to say Twilight's Call. <laughs> Hunting grounds. Hunting wilds. Hunting grounds. It is hunting a gr green white enchantment. It is a spicy card. Like, uh, we're we're looking at having an old school event sometime in either October or November. We have, if Albuquerque has anything cool, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. If we have anything cool, it's the balloon fiesta. Um, and last year we tried to kind of sculpt an event around this balloon fiesta we're gonna get a shuttle take everybody there uh come back play some magic it didn't pan out we're trying to make it happen this year um but it's it's two of us and it's, it's a lot of work and in that in that vein i want to give a massive shout out to dave and jared for running just i mean i've been to probably over a thousand magic tournaments in my life at this point and lobster con was the single most fun event I've ever been to. Um, it's just every, every part of it, the, the the magic, the people, you know, give the the charity aspect of it. I love that 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 is a, a part of old school magic is is giving back to the to your community at large. Um, it's not about the prizes; it's just about the people. It's about the fun. It's about what made this game great in the first place. Um, so huge shout out to those guys. Huge shout out to the Cloud Goat Ranger. For, for everything he does in the Spring Flings, um, you know, the Fall Brawl, all the content he makes. Uh, super excited. I don't know if you heard, but the... Um, oh, man, his his series is coming back. He had me on in the in the first one, and I appreciate that, and I, I always love watching those. Um, again, Andrew Walker, I, I can't say enough great things about this guy. Just running these monthlies, month after month, dedication... I mean, it's it's staggering. I I love it. Um, you will, um, you know, dedicating a lot of time to this format, crushing all these monthlies, uh, keeping up with this podcast. You know, keeping your 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 fingers on the pulse of it. I I just appreciate all you guys so much um, for making this for making this a real thing. I just I 
the 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 ten year old in me will will never stop playing this format. That's why I'm buying so many cards and building so many decks because I I think I'm I'm realizing that this is this is the game I love. Whatever Magic is now, it's just not the same game. And this is like this is it. So 